We are live, ladies and gentlemen, on the Media Miners Podcast. And because we're live, we're going to start the B Block. Welcome to the B Block on the Media Miners Podcast. I'm Professor Mike Latoris here with Matty Rockdeff and Grease Monkey Pete. We're going to get into the B Block with more news. And starting off, in honor of all of the stuff that we've done, Pete, you are in, I do have a part for you in this story, apparently. I didn't realize I did that. But I did. Yep, I'm seeing it. Uh, we're gonna, because AI writes all of our news copy. I figured we'd we'd take advantage of the fact that there's an AI story in the link list this week. It's always funny when there's an AI story and we ask AI to write it, and and they they always change it a little bit to make themselves look just a little bit better than. And I didn't read ahead. In in fact. Oh, this is going to be fun. When, when I'm going to read the story. So. When I, the only thing that I did notice when it started was that it, it had names assigned to the anchor and the reporter. So instead of actually going through and finding them, I used the, the find and replace feature inside of, uh, inside of the uh, editing software yeah. and to, to find and replace them. So... I've not read through this copy. We're going in cold. Well, that's fantastic. Good evening. I'm your host, Professor Michael Torres, bringing you the latest. Today, we have an exciting development in the world of archaeology. Archaeologists have made a groundbreaking discovery using artificial intelligence to translate 5,000-year-old cuneiform tablets. Our correspondent, Grease Monkey Pete, joins us with more on this fascinating story. Pete, what can you tell us? Thank you, Professor. Indeed. Uh, this is an extraordinary breakthrough in the field of archaeology. Archaeologists have successfully utilized artificial intelligence, to, uh, artificial intelligence to decipher the ancient script of cuneiform tablets dating back 5,000 years. These tablets, which were unearthed at an archaeological site, were previously a mystery due to the difficulty in understanding the ancient writing system. Groundbreaking research was conducted by a team of archaeologists in collaboration with AI specialists. The tablets, written in the ancient Sumerian language, contained valuable information about various aspects of life during that time, including agriculture, trade, religious rituals, and administrative matters. To decode these ancient texts, the researchers employed advanced machine learning algorithms and neural networks. These AI algorithms were trained on existing translations of uniform tablets, as well as on linguistic patterns and contextual information available from other historical documents. The AI, no, the AI system analyzed the patterns and structures of the uniform script, uh, enabling it to decipher the unknown symbols and translate them into modern language important to note that this breakthrough would not have been possible without the collaboration between archaeologists and AI experts, combining their knowledge and expertise. Uh, the translations revealed fascinating insights into the lives of ancient Sumerians. The tablets documented the development of early legal systems, details of religious rituals, records of economic transactions, and even personal correspondence. This newfound knowledge will undoubtedly contribute to our instrument uh, to our understanding of ancient civilizations and their contributions to human history. 
It's truly remarkable, Pete. Can you tell us more about the significance of this discovery? Absolutely, Professor. The uh, significance of this discovery cannot be overstated. Cuneiform is one of the oldest known writing systems, and the ability to translate these tablets opens up a wealth of information about the ancient world. It provides us with a direct window into the thoughts, concerns, and daily lives of the people who lived thousands of years ago. Furthermore, this breakthrough has the potential to shed new light on the evolution of human language and, communi uh, and communications as by studying the linguistic patterns and grammar of the Sumerian language, researchers can gain insights into how language has changed and developed over millennia. Uh, the application of artificial intelligence in archaeology is revolutionizing the field. It not only helps archaeologists decipher ancient scripts, but also assists in analyzing large amounts of data, identifying patterns, and making connections that might otherwise be overlooked. Fascinating stuff, Pete. What's, the, what's next for this research? Uh, the researchers involved in this project are now planning to expand their efforts and apply AI to translate additional cuneiform tablets from different time periods and regions. This ongoing work will allow for a more comprehensive understanding of ancient cultures and their interconnectedness. Moreover, this collaboration between archaeologists and AI experts sets a promising precedent for future interdisciplinary research. The combination of archaeological knowledge with advanced technologies has the potential to unveil further mysteries and bring us closer to understanding our shared human heritage. Well, thank you, Pete, for bringing us this incredible story. That's all for now, folks. Um, we're going to move on to another story. I'm oh, wait, quick. Basically, they, they fed AI what they knew about everything we know about language, ancient languages, language arts, all these things. Yes. All this shit, and they set it loose on some tablets. Yep. And, they're, and it's reading the tablets. Yep. And apparently doing a good job of it, uh, from what they say. That's pretty cool. Probably a better job than Pete does as being a reporter. <laughs> Probably. Hey, Pete, have you ever heard, have you ever seen a reporter? <laughs> yep. Okay. Just, I don't know if you, just because I've never seen a reporter start off the, his, his segment with, eh. <laughs> I've never seen that before in my life. All right, listen, where are we, where are we transitioning to? It's really his signature. Uh, uh, well, there's a, the next story that, that I've, I've got pulled is that uh, in New Jersey, it, the state of New Jersey is suing three school districts. Um, Important legal development to report New Jersey has filed lawsuits against three school districts over their transgender notification policy, claiming it poses severe risks to children. Our reporter Pete has the details. Thank you, Professor. New Jersey Governor uh, Bill Murphy. I'm sorry, what? Uh, I'm going to reach through this microphone. <laughs> Please continue, Pete. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy's administration has taken legal action against Middletown, Marlboro, and Manalapan. 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 Oh, it's Manalapan. Regional School District. I don't know how to say that word. Manalapan. Manalapan. Okay. Manalapan, English Town. Manalapan, English Town Regional <laughs> School District. Uh, the district's recently implemented policies regarding transgender students. 
Uh, what are the concerns raised by the state, Pete? The Attorney General of New Jersey, Matt Platkin, argues that these policies endanger the safety of transgender students. He claims that notifying parents when their child uses a different name, pronouns, or a bathroom that doesn't align with their assigned sex can have serious mental health risks, increase the risk of suicide, and fail to create a safe learning environment. Uh, how are the school districts responding to these allegations? I don't understand how that makes sense. Go ahead. The school districts are defending their policy. They argue that they treat all students equally and comply with New Jersey state mandates. They believe that parents should be informed about important issues involving their children and that these policies are not discriminatory. Has there been any reaction from the governor's office or the districts involved, Pete? Uh, the governor's office and the three school districts did not respond to requests for comment from Fox News Digital. Well, what happens next in this legal battle? The Murphy administration is seeking a temporary restraining order to block policies from going into effect. The court will now consider the arguments from both sides. Well, thank you, Pete, uh, for bringing this update. Uh, we're going to keep an eye on this story, as I think it's interesting. And, you know, not for nothing. Um, now, let me tell you a I little bit. I don't know exactly where I stand on this. It, yeah, it's, well, I know, I, it, it, the world's upside down and nothing makes sense is where, where I stand on most things. But let me, let me tell you a little story, because this is what I know about English Town, all right, is... Uh, it's where the raceway they is. They got a raceway there. Well... Shirley Muldowney used to race there a lot. They do. Mm -hmm. But uh, at auction, my, uh, my ex-brother-in-law had acquired uh, the, Eng the, the English Town Chief Fire Chief's car, old car. So mm -hmm. Caprice, 89 Caprice Classic, mm -hmm. you know, with the spotlight and the CB and all that fun shit. Right, right. And uh, it was red. Yeah. It was actually, you know, uh, Dr. Lou, who we interviewed before, I, we used to do a bit with him where he played, he was at the Blues Brothers. I uh -huh. used to use my car. Because <laughs> I had, uh, we had to take all the English town right. shit off. So it, it, I, it but I left the word chief <laughs> on the side, right? Just chief. That's all it said. Right. I had a teacher in high school, we called him chief. At least everybody started calling me chief because my car said chief. Right. I just thought it was, I was like, leave the chief. I was goofing around more than anything else. And I, when I told him, my, you know, my brother-in-law was taking all the shit off, I was like, leave the chief. And he did. So, but uh, I remember <laughs> I was in Trenton and I, because her family used to live up that way. Mm. And uh, with Trenton, Trenton's fun because there are gas stations that are completely abandoned, yet, <laughs> yet completely lit up. Right. right? They're, as if they're open for business. Right. Yet they're not. Yeah, they they're just, not open. They're they, not open. Yeah, they just don't have numbers there to tell you how much the gas is. Right, so the lights and, are all on and everything. The lights are on all and everything, and I, and they have numbers. This was <laughs> years and years ago. There were numbers up. Yeah. You know? Okay. I'll, I'll give tell you how long is Ryan, who's now twenty, was in a car seat. So somewhere around two. Right. It had to be even younger than that. It had to be even younger than that because I was living. We we lived because of where I remember living. All right. So. So we're talking like sub two dollar gasoline. Uh, no, it was above two dollar <laughs> gasoline. So remember, I was is the beginning of the panic where it went above two dollars. Oh, okay. Remember how remember how everybody shit themselves yes. when gas went above two dollars? Yeah. Like back in like 
this had to be 2002. It had to be 2002, 2003, something like that. And I, so I drive up to this gas station. I pull in, and, and New Jersey is uh, is attendant gas. Yes. Right. So I'm no self service. You know, right, sitting there waiting. And we see this guy, this guy walking up to us, and he didn't, he didn't look like he worked anywhere. And, <laughs> and uh, and then there was another person walking up to us that that obviously didn't work there because, well, she was holding a baby. And uh, and then there was there, there was a significant. All of a sudden, there were a significant amount of people approaching my car. Okay, and uh, all we I I was deciding what to do because we needed gasoline badly, <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out where the, the right. But then like. I hear, I hear this. What you the chief of? And I was like, oh fuck! And I just put it in drive and got the fuck. I out am of the it. chief of getting the fuck up out of here. Get the fuck out <laughs> of here. Did, did it have any of the cool lights or anything on the top for you? I didn't have any lights on top, but that it did ah. have a posi rear. Okay, so well, I got useful. the fuck out that's of here. That's useful. I got the fuck. It, no, it's no, it wasn't useful because that rear locked the fuck up on me and started spinning. No, it just my car just came to a sudden sudden stop. Oh, oh, that like, that kind of lock up. <laughs> and five people, five people. Did you forget to lube your rear end, Matt? Dude, I dude, seriously, five. It was a five car pileup. It was smack, 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 smack. Three people didn't have insurance. Like it was, it was nuts, and none of it was my fault because I was the first car. They all hit me. Right. Right. But my rear just locked the fuck up. Like I was driving. Like he, he could have really shoved a bunch of stuff up my ass, but he was like, "No, nah, you know, they all hit you. They're all supposed to be within safe stopping distance. This isn't your problem." And then, like you know, the rear was locked, so towing that son of a bitch was. Yeah, you had to, you had to roll back. That thing broke down on me several times. But we got the we got the rear out of an old station wagon. Yeah, what year was that car? It was an '89. 89 and it was what year? 2000 and something? 2002. It was like 2002. Okay. Yeah. And it was also like, it was a, it was a public service, public servants car. So it was, oh, either, yeah. it was either like not taken care of at all and beating the shit out of or mm-hmm. beat, but it looked like it was more, you know, just kind of beating the shit out of. So I'm pretty, I'm, it's something tells me back then, you know, the fire chief was a pretty fat son of a bitch. Hmm? Probably. <laughs> by the wear, by the wear on the, the wear is there. Wear and tear Yeah, no, you, I drove like that. <laughs> <laughs> had a little bit of a gangster lean, did it? It had to. That's that was your choice. Was, mm. That was a that was a bit. He blew the he blew the fucking seat out of that. Well, speaking of people who have caused a lot of monetary uh, problems, but the authority says no, no, no. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. In upstate New York, a university janitor's actions have resulted in the loss of a million-dollar research project, according to a lawsuit filed against the janitor's employer, Daigle Cleaning Systems Incorporated, by the Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. The janitor, who is not being sued personally, turned off a freezer after hearing annoying alarms unknowingly causing catastrophic damage to over 20 years of research. The universe. Not all heroes wear capes. That's all I got to say about this guy. <laughs> the uni- this guy is a pure fucking genius, in my opinion. Go ahead. The university 
is seeking damages and legal fees from the cleaning company. Rensselaer uh, Polytechnic in- Institute holds Daigle Cleaning Systems responsible for failing to properly train and supervise their personnel. The incident occurred when the janitor mistakenly turned off the freezer's circuit breakers, resulting in the destruction of cell cultures and specimens. The research team's efforts to salvage the project were unsuccessful, causing significant losses. The university claims that the cleaning company's negligence led to the damage. Attorneys for Daigle Cleaning Service or cleaning Systems have not yet responded to CNN's request for comment. This incident highlights the importance of proper training and supervision in maintaining the integrity, the integrity of research projects. Right. I mean, if you got an alarm going off, you should you should have somebody, you know, monitoring the fucking thing. The janitor shouldn't have to be listening to me, 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 me. He, he, should he doesn't know what to do. At a minimum, he should know who to what to do. Like not for nothing. Yeah, I, I better call I better call Dr. Bob and, and have Dr. Bob come and find out why his lab is beeping. Right. Not for nothing. The alarm's going off. If nobody's coming to fix the fucking alarm, there is no difference in him shutting the fucking thing off. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that'd be my argument. I was like, listen, the alarm was going off. Somebody should have known the alarm was going off. There was nobody there to know the alarm was going off. I'm there to do a job. That fucking alarm was going off. Also, you shouldn't keep your, your fucking research facility looking like a kitchen. There's a microwave. There's a stove. I didn't think there was important. Re- I, I thought it, at most you'd lose some steakums. Maybe nothing a looked really appetizing in there. It looked like a kitchen. No, but not for nothing. I mean, you know, it, it, the alarm was going off, which means something needed to be attended to. Something was going wrong. Yeah, I mean. Right? So your research was going to the shitter anyway, whether he threw that switch or not. Yep. Don't fucking put it on him. That's my point. And they're not. No, oh. but don't, you don't put it on the cream company either. If anything, it's on the scientists working the research project. They should, there should be, if, it's, if there's going to be an alarm, if, there, if it's a million dollars worth of shit in that freezer... And that alarm is only for the people in the goddamn room. You should and have somebody. They have, they have severely underestimated how stupid people can be. Yeah, you need to put somebody in the room. Right. If, if there's an alarm and, it needs, and you can. So my point is, and Bluetooth shit ain't that hard anymore. <laughs> I'm sure there's some kind of system where they could have gotten to an alert. Everybody on their phone that something was wrong. Yeah. Okay. Probably very easy. Million to do. dollars. There's a million dollars worth of stuff in that freezer. That freezer needs to stay on. I bet for fifty bucks they could have solved this problem. I think Simply Safe probably could have has something. You probably could have stuck it on the end of their fucking thing. Look, it's just, there's no reason to sue the cleaning company. The cleaning company is do the, do, there to do a job. If a person listen, sometimes you the, that beep drives you nuts, and you have to work in that shit. I have to scrub the grout in this room while that alarm's going off. No. No, I don't. Thank you. I'll get your shitty research project and fucking, you know. Always looking out for that blue collar guy, Matt. You're a good guy. I, listen, if the shit's worth a million dollars, you should have more than a fuck. You should have more of an alarm than just wh- who's in the room. Beep, beep, beep. Right? Beep. Especially <laughs> when you know this, it's not going to be attended 24-7. It's ridiculous. Beep. Let's say, let's say that was going off because the freezer had malfunction. Yeah. Okay, so if the freezer's malfunction, it doesn't matter whether it's getting electricity or not. It doesn't matter. It doesn't work. So if they shut the alarm off, if you if you, if it took you that long to figure out the power was out, you 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 don't have you don't have some kind of indicator light that tells you the power's on. 
Do you have this shit locked up in a Frigidaire? Like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> you know, I just, I, I, I really think that the, the, the uh, academic elite need to fucking act, behave a little smarter about shit. All right, who can work with that shit going on? Especially if it's, if it's only in your fucking head. You're the only one hearing it. Stupid. Well, there were, there should have been at least instructions. Hey, if we're not around and you hear this sound, you If know. you don't want fucking people stealing your lunch, you write your fucking name on it. And if it starts to happen, you know what you do? You hang a sign on the goddamn refrigerator that says, don't eat my lunch. No, 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 no. Couldn't put a sign on the no, fucking no. refrigerator that says, hey, if the alarm's going off, don't shut the fucking electric off. That should have been, you. somebody should have thought of that. <laughs> That's my first instinct. How do I disable this alarm? How? Yes. How do I make this thing stop? How do I make that noise stop? Because I can't listen to Bob Seger and this. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the biggest problem here right now is that fucking noise. Right. That's the biggest. <laughs> I've asked some people. Let me tell you something. To me, especially, something like that, oh, that I, is the priority. Yeah, I can't hang, man. I got to fix it. So, now, the only no, one I can actually handle is, is the is plot. By, this is the plot to some disaster movie, isn't it? I mean, Probably. it really seems like it could be. Yeah, like, honestly, you know, it's, uh, driving for Uber, you know, I get somebody in the, when I get somebody in the front seat, the first thing I say is, I need you to put that seatbelt on. Oh, we're just going down the road. I don't care. There's a bell, and that bell will make noise. It does not stop. And it, it will make noise until I punch you in your face. And put the seatbelt on you. So put the seatbelt on. <laughs> That's what I'm saying is, you know, like there should have been clear instructions to, hey, if we're not around, you know, like, and you hear this noise, call so-and-so or leave the building, you know, or something. You know, like, who knows? You know, like, I mean, how, not, you know, how hard would it be to have a, some kind of Bluetooth notification? Even with the times. I mean, honestly, it's, it's supposed it, to be, you're supposed to be Ivy League and, you know, you're supposed to be the smart fucking, you know, academics can get with it. For 50 get bucks, with. you could have, you could have rigged something up that would have dialed phones or, or sent emails or text messages. It's too easy. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's, there's a device you could have plugged in that, that would have reached out to Twitter and, and tweeted to the whole world. We're talking about this and I just got a notification that I interacted with somebody on TikTok and I'm like, uh, no, I didn't. Or did you? Or did I? Or did you? Oh, and who? I don't know. I'll look at it later. And I, I've thrown the next story in several times too, because I, you know, you were saying that you wanted to, you wanted to pick a fight with Kim Jong Un. I'd like to. Yeah, I mean, if, you know, if so, I if think he's I think really out, way. if he's really out on TikTok and and the internet, you know, while the rest of the country isn't, I think we should poke at that son of a bitch as many times as we can and, and see so, if he, he will. I mean, what's the, what's a better way, you know, to poke at him than to, to run a story about how South, South Korea has, uh, is fighting food waste. Yeah. Because they've got so much food that they're wasting it. Well, it's just, you know, the cores, the stuff, you know, I'll bet you a lot of that stuff is still edible. Probably. Like if somebody they, has eaten it. They, they could probably box some of it up and send it to North Korea. Where the uh, yeah, where there's food could, shortages, right? They could probably take the stalk of some <laughs> vegetable that you know you wouldn't consume in a first world country, 
and send it to North and Korea. Boil that down and cook it and process it to where it would be a nutritious sludge or, or right, or, or, exactly or something porridge. But uh, you know, well, in South Korea, a new law targeting food waste is making significant strides in reducing the nation's staggering food disposal problem, according to a recent report in the New York Times. South Korea has long struggled with excessive food waste, with an, ex- with an estimated 17% of its population suffering from food insecurity. The South Korean government took a bold step to combat this issue by implementing a law known as the Food Waste Reduction Act in January of this year. Under this le- legislation, South Korean households and businesses are required to separate their food waste and dispose of it separately from their other garbage. The law mandates that Individuals and businesses must use designated food waste bins and pay for each kilogram of food waste that they generate. This pay-as-you-throw system aims to discourage excessive food consumption and encourage better meal planning, ultimately reducing waste. Since the law's implementation, South Korea... That's not what the story's about. <laughs> the story's about turning it into, you know, turning, turning it into biofuel and fucking fertilizer and shit. Huh. Was AI didn't write a damn thing about that in my copy. No, that's not what the fucking story's about, though. That's funny. That is because AI I mean, makes it up as they go. Well, wait a minute. Yeah, sometimes I'm, it oh wait a minute. It does it does mention that uh, in another paragraph. Hold on. This pay-as-you-throw system aims to discourage excessive food consumption and encourage better meal planning, ultimately reducing waste. Since the law's implementation, South Korea has witnessed a remarkable decline in food waste. The New York Times reports highlights food waste has dropped 30% within the first six months, and the country is well on its way to achieving its target of 50% reduction by 2024. South Korean citizens have embraced this new initiative, recognizing the importance of minimizing food waste not only for environmental reasons, but also for economic and social stability. Additionally, innovative technologies have been implemented to convert the food waste into biofuel and fertilizer, further contributing to sustainable practices. While some critics argue that the law places an un- an additional burden on individuals and businesses, proponents maintain that the long-term benefits far outweigh the, con- the inconveniences. The reduction in food waste not only alleviates the strain on landfills, but also addresses issues of hunger and food insecurity in the country. The success of South Korea's Food Waste Reduction Act has garnered international attention, and other nations are taking note of the positive outcomes. As the global community grapples with issues of food waste and sustainability, South Korea's efforts provide a shining example of effective policy implementation and public engagement. All right, so the story I, I read was that there's so much food waste sitting in landfills that they've implemented this law to, to generate um, biofuel and fertilizer. I, maybe I didn't read down far enough. Well, no, I, I, I think that that, I, I guarantee, based on the, head, the original headline, that's, that's, the original, that's where the original story went. Uh, AI didn't take it. That direction. Uh, let's see. Uh, food thrown away. Huge amounts of methane. Potent greenhouse gases. South Korea's banned. It was all about. It was all about the environmental impact. Yeah, they. I was dis- I was disappointed. I didn't see anything about DeLoreans with Mister Fusions on the back. <laughs> <laughs> We're not there yet, Pete. 
It's not, you know. But I listen. This uh, that fuck recycling. Listen, if you want, if you if you think we can still recycle glass, fine. Clean paper, okay. We all know pla- recycle plastic is ridiculous. Nobody recycles plastic. Like the plastic recycling fucking pyramid scheme. Anyway, listen. But separating your food waste and you know sending it to a you know company that's gonna that makes sense. Just think about how much of our food waste sits in just yeah. sits in landfills. Yeah. Right? And the shit you can do with it. Yeah. Fertilizer you know. and biodiesel. Now or biofuels. I feel like this could take a this could take a nasty turn to like a soylent green like it could. No, it could. You know, but you, know. you can get your own uh Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Compost. Compost. Pon- composter. No, you can you can buy your own food waste disposal unit. Yes, it's a composter. No, it's called a dog, right? <laughs> yes. Just, yes, but they create I, I turds. Haven't had, I haven't had a lot of food waste. But but they they create turds. Well, they do, but then you can grow pumpkins. <laughs> no, those are to put on your neighbor's front step and light on fire. Well, that's true too, but you can grow pumpkins. Do you ever see, there was, I, there was a corgi on the internet that yeah. ate a pumpkin seed and took a shit. Yeah. And there was a picture of him standing proudly next to his, his pumpkin. Yeah. He ate, he ate the pumpkin and, and there was pumpkins all over the next year. Right. <laughs> but yeah, um, actually, um, here at the, at the dump in Wilmington over at Cherry Island, uh, Waste management has a methane operation where they draw methane off of the dump. I'd imagine that's just what they should be doing. You know, in fact, the the waste they they run their equipment on it. They run some of their trucks on it, and what they don't use, they they burn off with in a flare. Uh, if you're going up 495, you right about the area where it starts to really smell bad. Is sometimes you'll see the flare burning at night. Is that why it smells like that? Well, there's. There's two reasons why you have the smell over on 495. As, as you're going north on 495, the first smell that you come to is the dump, Cherry Island. As you get closer to 12th Street, on the other side of 12th Street from the dump, just across the street, is the wastewater management plant where they, where they process whatever you flush down the toilet in Newcastle County. Everybody's poops go to that spot, and that's a bulk of that's the bulk of what you smell. Fascinating stuff. Yeah, I've toured the plant. It's a fascinating place. I uh, I took my my 13, 14 year old niece. Now she's she's I think she turned fourteen. Anyway, um, we took her to K Pot. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a restaurant where you got to cook your own fucking food. Oh. Right. That's just were, fucking fantastic, right? But and they, and you know you, it's like a soup and they boil. You can order whatever you want as long as you don't go over. It's like whatever the price is, you know. Was that the one down here by Chris Mall? I think so. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's very good. I okay. would go in the evening. You'd have to pay dinner prices, but they're they're more put together. Right. Um, you get there first thing. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> they're still drunk from the night before. Um. <laughs> But I, I took her, we're taking her driving, and I was just sitting there waiting for the smell to kind of, because, you know, it's always there. Yeah. As my wife affectionately calls it, blueberries and shit. 
<laughs> and as soon as it like at, at its worst, I, I I look at my 14 year old niece and go, was that you? Jesus Christ, was that you? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, 495 is great for that. Is that you? Yeah. So you can imagine the the emotional damage that would have done to a normal child. But emotional this one, damage. This one is, uh, is she's a little tougher than most. Well, that's she, good. She she took it with stride, fought me back. So, um, so with a quick screen share, uh, that and that. So this is the area of 495 of which we speak. And let's see. You got graphics. Yeah. And I'm going to get my, my John Madden screen illustrator tool. This, this area here, this is Cherry Island Landfill. Okay. And that's, that's where the garbage goes. Uh, there, is, there is a processing plant out there on Cherry Island that processes um, recyclables that they can pull out of the things that are dumped as well. Uh, not the things that get dumped directly in. There are things that go other places. Uh, these two pools here service both the dump and the, um, and the wastewater plant. Which is like I said, pools right, of what are they pools of? The these water. are are pools where the water goes to to get right before it can be released into the river. Hmm. Um, where the the pH can be adjusted and it, just to make sure that it's it it's okay to go back, temperatures right, all that sort of thing. After any processes, this is the poop plant. So, wow. do you know the order in which the poop goes in and out? I do. All right, let's hear it. So, all of your poop comes in. These are these are holding areas back here. So the the first area comes in these holding areas, and and then they come over into these air these tanks here, where they process through for um, microbial action to to take place. Um. Things that can be eaten or eaten. So when they come into these into these holding areas, wait, the, the workers pick stuff out and eat it. No, 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 no. The oh. when they come into these tanks over here, uh, a lot of the solids are allowed. That's, to, that's when the workers pick it out and eat it. They can. Um, a lot of a lot of solids are are allowed to drop out, and uh, the back they're uh, fed on by bacteria, uh, which is a process that continues in these tanks until it's cleaned up enough that it can come over this way and uh, the, the solid waste is, is, it goes that way. And then the, the liquid waste comes back out here. And see, it, where it's, it's exactly what it looks like. Where it looks dirtier and nastier over here on this side, that's where things are coming in. And by the time it... Every one of these is a stage. Every, every, you see, you see, there's lines. See the lines in there? Right. Each segment is a stage. And by the time it gets over to here, on this side, where it just looks like water again, is, is as it's getting cleaned. And then it goes out to here and eventually can be released at, back, into the, back into the world. Uh, you can see it. it it's much cleaner than, than the river, but it goes, <laughs> they have to make sure it's a certain way before it goes back to the river. Um, not for nothing, but 
over here, this little area right here is a solar farm that they use to run those things. Fascinating. What are the hidden buildings next to the solar farm? It looks like there's like underground bunkers or something. Like, and then over there, that looks like a, a like, very, a very poorly designed baseball diamond. Like here? Yeah. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what those areas are. Um, it looks like they, like, in this for, at the solar farm. My guess is, and I haven't been back there for quite some time. But at the solar farm, my guess is these are areas that that may be uh, set up for future expansion of the solar farm because they, they seem to be levels. Uh, over here, you probably have, this is probably a well type, like a like a, a, an indent, so that if there is flooding, it doesn't go directly to the solar area. Like, like a berm? Yeah. So I, I, I think that's an area where water can go before it encroaches on on the solar farm. Um, probably something similar going on over here. I, I honestly don't know what they've got going on there. I've not been to that area. As you go further down, uh, there's, there's some industrial stuff. There's the old, uh, the old, uh, Edgemore DuPont plant, which will ultimately be turned into an expansion of the port of Wilmington. That's where they used to make titanium dioxide, that white stuff in paint and toothpaste. Awesome. Anything else you'd like to know about the Wilmington area? I mean, I'm, I don't have any questions right now. Maybe if something will come up in the future, I'll, I'll bring it up. I think you've covered really extensively. Where you know, your poop goes. Where your poop goes. <laughs> We've had a very, a very fecal-centric show so far. We have, and nobody's made a fart noise yet. <laughs> <laughs> So you want to shut down? You want to shut down B Block now? We can do that and, and <laughs> reemerge triumphantly in the C Block with a just the tips, yeah, uh, TikTok corner, and hopefully uh, an appearance by Big Daddy, and we can bring him his uh, his goddess story that's been put out here for him. I think that's a plan. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us in the B-Block of the Media Virus Podcast here on the Media Virus Podcast Network. You can reach us here at the show at 1646-VIRUS-01. That's 1646-VIRUS-01. You can call us on the air, or you can call us during the week, leave us a message, we'll play it, and probably talk some shit about you. Maybe even call you back. Um, let's see, what else do I need to talk about? Um... The Media Virus Podcast is brought to you by My Sports Art. You can check them out at uh, mysportsreports.com or on Facebook, My Sports Reports on Facebook, and you'll have links to all the artwork that they're putting together on their red, in their Redbubble store. Um, really cool artwork, uh, AI-generated, but but good stuff. Um, cute little animal pictures and, and, and fun stuff. Um, and we'll be back in the C-Block right after this ladies and gentlemen red berry teabag burrito burrito